really want to have or speak on um, something that is kind of pastoral tonight. Very, very simple word. It's kind of pastoral. I just want to look at that simple statement, love thy neighbor as thyself. That is a very simple word. Something that everybody knows. <laughs> very simple. Uh, because I see a lot of emphasis on it in scriptures. And uh, Jesus talked about it. The young ruler talked about it. Uh, Paul talked about it. It's just there. So I just want to want us to take a look, look at it tonight and see what is this all about. Love that neighbor is a soul. And uh, is it practicable for you to really love your neighbor as you love yourself? That's the question. Say love your neighbor as yourself. Is it practicable? To be very honest, can we assess it in such a way that we see uh, we love our neighbor as we love ourselves? It's serious, but it's a commandment. According to the word. It's a very simple word. Everybody talks about it. It's a commandment. Uh, we quote it, but is it practicable? Are we in any way observing it? Are we even close to observing it? That's the question. Okay, Ivan, let's start by reading a few scriptures here. Matthew 19. Love thy neighbor as the love thyself. Matthew 19. Scripture says, Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Matthew 19.19. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay, turn to James. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Uh, let me read from verse 6. Scripture speaking says, But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? If you follow the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convicted of the law as transgressors. Okay, let me read this from the message. And here you are abusing these same citizens. Is it in the high and mighty who exploit you? Who use the court to rob you blind? Aren't they the ones who scorn the new name Christian? Used in your baptisms? You do well when you complete the royal rule of the scriptures. Love others as you love yourself. Verse 9. But if you play up to these so-called important people, you go against the rule. And stand convicted by it. That is James talking. Okay. Let's move down again to 1 Corinthians. I just want us to read all of this. And we can uh, talk. 1 Corinthians 10. 
Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. Verse 24. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Okay? Just move down to Philippians 2. I'm still reading. Philippians 2, let's look at verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now I want you to begin to look at these scriptures. The question I keep asking is, is this practicable as believers? <laughs> I mean, it's serious as far as I'm concerned. But if you look at the scripture, it runs through all. Everywhere you see this simple word coming forth. Paul said, let no man seek his own, but every man another's words. That is, another's good, another's benefit, another's blessing. Don't seek your own, but seek another man's blessing. How possible is that? And how practicable is this? Because the funny thing is, it's like saying it started from the Old Testament, but it's being anchored even in the New Testament. So if we have to examine ourselves, how do we truly rate ourselves on the course of this? How much of other people's own do we have in mind as compared to our own? This, is, this one is not a deep revelation, I'm sure. It's not a deep one, isn't it? That's how I say it's pastoral. It's just everyday lifestyle, you know, every day. Let's even bring it from the point of prayer. When you pray, how do you pray? Just from the platform of prayer. How many minutes do you spend for yourself? And how many do you spend for others? You see, he's saying, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. In other words, you think about the good of another man. So when you need them to pray, let, that ask the question, how many minutes do you spend for yourself? And how many have you spent or do you spend for other people? Especially those in the household of faith. Because I'm going to make you see something. You say love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm going to push you down to a place where you begin to realize that the truth again is you don't even know how much God loves you. Hallelujah. Are we together? I mean, this is very practical. I'm not talking about even money now. I'm not talking about the money you give to people. No, let's keep that aside. Because I do know practically that by the time you spend, you want to, you want to if I think of spending 10,000 for somebody else, you should have spent 100,000 for yourself. It is a tithe that goes to somebody else. I know. Which is like a leftover. Before you spend 10000 for somebody who is not in your immediate family, you shall have spent 100000 on yourself. That is the truth. But here the scripture is saying, 
Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. So if we truly want to go by the scriptures, it means we shall have spent, in fact, we have to give consideration to other people's needs. As it were, more or less, at the expense of our needs. But that is, that seems to be very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. Now think about it. You see, what strikes you almost all the time is how much my, how is my family faring? How are my children faring? Now let's think about it. You may probably have some people around you who do not have, uh, maybe, your, your, your neighbors, um, your fellow Christian brothers or something like that. They probably have not even paid their school fees. The truth is you may not even know because you don't even go consideration to all of that. You don't even know. But here the Bible is saying, man, seek his own. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's words. We want to pursue Christianity, man, it's a serious affair when it comes to the issue of self. Hallelujah. Like we read in Philippians 2. Look not every man on his own things. But every man also on the things of others. I mean it's a serious matter. It's a very serious issue. Absolutely serious. Praise the living God. So the question is How can you truly be able to love your neighbor? How can? I want to show you some things That can enable you to begin to assess The grace to love your neighbor As you love yourself Amen You must come to the place where What you spend on people will not be a pain on you You must come to that place In your worship and in your love for God, you must come to that place that what is spent for people will not be a pain on you. Are we together? Okay, let's take a scripture on this. Explain some things. John 13. John 13, 34 and 35. Hallelujah. 34, John 13 A new commandment I give unto you That you love one another This is Christ talking now As I have loved you Watch this That you also love one another Are we there? And now verse 35 says By this shall all men know that you are my disciples If you love one another But watch this Jesus said this is a new commandment. So, how is it new? Because Moses spoke about it. Amen? But look, listen to what he's saying. 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Now, I want you to just meditate on that. Just look at that scripture and see. Something is going to jump out. There's going to be a revelation God will give to you. What determines how 
you should be able or how you ought to be able. Something jumps out. Love one another even as I have loved you. So the measure of love you have to other people is how you determine how much love God has for you. Until you see that, you can love your neighbor. Did you see anything there? So, finally, we're going to see. Like, I will still read it, but you are going to discover that why you don't love people is because you don't know how much God loves you. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. You have not yet valued your salvation. That's why you can't love other people. Have you seen it? Body shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one to another. Okay, let me read it again from uh, the message. Let me give you a new commandment. Love one another. In the same way I loved you. You love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. When they see the love you have for each other. So the question is this. How much do you think God loves you? The measurement of your love for others is how much you have come to value the love that God has for you. What is the value? How can you determine now? You know, have you been able to think twice how much love God has for you? Of course, you talk about you may say it, but you don't know it because if you know. The Lord is saying, this is the only way you can love someone else and prove that I truly love you. The same amount of love that God has for you and I. Look at it. Let me give you a new commandment. Love one another in the same way I loved you. You love one another. The same way. Now the question is, what way did God love you? Have you been able to think of God I love you, thank you for loving me Thank you for, you know you see all of that But remember the scripture is saying Thou shalt love thy neighbor as you do what? You love yourself Hallelujah <laughs> So now, what is the commandment? It is clear that it is, a new, it is new Because of the love that the father has for humanity In the sacrifice of Jesus he gave his only begotten son. It is a life of sacrifice. Is that clear? How do we value the love of God? He gave his son. Is that true? Hallelujah. It is clear therefore that to love your neighbor equals you recognizing how much your heavenly father loves you. It simply means this. You cannot truly love your neighbor until you know how much God loves you. I said that before and I'm repeating it so that you can understand. You can't love your neighbor until you recognize how much love God has for you. And you see, in determining that, you're going to see that even the love that God has for you, you first recognize that you were not qualified for that love. Did you get that? 
you were not qualified for that love. And these are the things that enables you to know and understand what truly the love of God is. Now he's saying, the same love that I have for you is what you have to have for the same other person or your neighbor. You never qualify for the love that God has for you. And you can't quantify the kind of love that God has for you. So therefore you can't say you are spending too much on your neighbor. You can't. Because it is a measure of love. Are you seeing this? So you see, it seems like a very simple commandment. But it has heavy weight. You can't spend too much on your neighbor. Because God never thought of spending too much on you. He spent what you cannot quantify. The bottom line is... Do good when it is your power to do so. But even in the midst of that, you find that even when it is in your power, yourself takes the preeminence. By implication, you find that Adam is still very much alive, no matter how much tongues we speak. Because Adam is completely self. Amen? We must die to that reality of that Adam life. Now picture this. That Abraham and Lot have an issue. Abraham who is the older man asked Lot to choose first. Will you do that? <laughs> That's a simple question. How will you like to do that? A situation where Things are placed before you. You see no man. Amen. Talk about tradition. And you know what I mean by that. Huh? You have the senior man. Now, this is not your brother. It's your brother's son. We are not talking about your age mate or the same father, the same mother. If it's the same father, the same mother, now you are the senior. First of all, don't you know I'm the senior? That's the first thing that will come into your mind. But now, this one is not even your own brother in that sense. Is your brother's son. And now you are saying, choose first. That is a man that has seen God. Amen? That's a man that has seen God. When things are placed before you and people are there to choose, what is generally the temptation in your heart? It will determine what I'm saying. It will tell you how much of self is still alive and how much you have died to the things of the natural. Because you find that Abraham is able to see that God has already prospered him and God is still there to prosper him. That there is nothing you can take from him that cannot be replaced by God. Absolutely nothing. So anything you want to take, you are free. Hallelujah. <laughs> Father, I love you. Say so love your neighbors, you love yourself come to that conclusion that you must love your neighbor the same way that he, God loved you. So the question is, how much love does the Father love you? I want you to think. I told you before that this is completely past simple meditation. We're not talking of something very deep. It's not deep mystery. 
The word is simple. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. What is the measurement? What is the parameter to determine how much love? Because John 13, 34, Jesus says, New commandment I give unto you. Love your neighbor even as I have loved you. The same way. Now watch this. What of the ways he even demonstrated that while he was alive John 13 is to wash the disciples' feet. Did you get that? When the elder, when the senior man, when the master, when the God incarnate stood to wash humanity's feet, that's the practical aspect before going to the cross. To demonstrate my love for you, I can take the mess in your life. Because the feet speaks of the mess of humanity. You match all manner of things with your feet. Now I'm going to cleanse it, I'm going to wash it, and I'm not mindful of the Father, I'm God in the flesh. That is an aspect and a practical way of demonstrating, first of all, the love of God. And he said, the way I have loved you, you'll go and love your neighbor like that. The question is, can you wash the mess of your neighbor? This is very simple, practical Christianity. Can you wash the mess of your neighbor? Think about it. A new commandment I give unto you. Love your neighbor even as I have loved you. Can you clean the mess of your neighbor? Hallelujah. How many of you have observed women? You go to certain places and even sometimes in school, I have some teachers, they do that. I remember in those days. You have some children who are small, they can mess up themselves. And the next thing, oh, what's wrong with you? Where's your mother? That's the first question. Where is your mother? And sometimes you tell the senior guy in the class, take, take this child to the mother. And they'll be dragging the child on the road and you know how the child will be walking because he has messed up. Jesus, wash your feet. Wash your feet. He saw God in the flesh. Even while he was doing that, he was seeing God in you, the image of God. That little child in that way is an image of God. The people you try to mess up on the street or you think they have messed up themselves that you can't cleanse, they are actually in the image of God. Now, the question is, like I asked before, what do you think you did to qualify for the cleansings of God in your life? Listen, you may have very ugly people around you, but the love of God will not see the ugliness. If we truly come to that place, the love of the Father doesn't see ugly people. Are you still there with me? Remember, this is a very simple message. You know, it's love your neighbor as you love yourself. Put all the laws. Huh? That shall not worship idol. That shall not do this. Love your father as your mother. Respect your father. Love your neighbor as yourself. Very simple. But let's look at it. Hallelujah. Like I said, what is the level of the that the Father really has for you? What is the level? Do you truly recognize how much He loves you? Do you see the love of God in your life? Do you feel His love in any way? Do you? 
Have you sat down and feel God's love for you? Have you ever prayed appreciating God? That is time to recognize something. Now God is saying, you know what? If you can feel this way because of the love I have for you, do same for someone. Let the person feel the same way. How is that man going to thank God? Hey God, I thank you for the life of Jeanette. Did you see that? I thank you, oh Lord, for using Agnes to change my life. Do you feel God? Listen, this thing we call in Christianity is not just a matter of talking, a matter of power, shows. I believe in the miraculous. Everybody knows that. I believe that. But listen, it has to do with a life. It has nothing to do with just those things. Hallelujah. You see, what, what baffles me, Jesus called this a new commandment. James says, all of all of our commandments are wrapped up in this one. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, all of our commandments, this is the summary. And Jesus came and said, this is a new one I'm giving to you. It's like you have never heard it before. Do you feel God's love for your life? Is my question. Can you picture how much God really loves you? And he's saying, do the same to your neighbor. Let somebody kneel down and say, God, I thank you. Not about what they, not about what they say to you, but let them just kneel down and say, God, I thank you for the life of this man. If not for him, if not for that sister. I thank you for sending this kind of person my way. Let somebody thank God for your life. Love your neighbor. As you love yourself. This thing is, is very tempting. Let them place even money, just money. 3,000, 5,000. Place it down and then bring two of you and say, choose. And you are given the opportunity to choose first. What will you choose? Will you choose 2,000? <laughs> you take the five, eh? That's it. That tells you who we are. I'm glad we are all practical about this. There is no way you're going to see 5,000 or 2,000 and you're giving the opportunity to choose first. And you go and take two. No. You take five. That is the point. That is how much of self that is speaking. How much of self. You were to be in a home, in a family, or in a local assembly, and things are brought, and you're asked to go and choose. Just go and choose. What will you be looking at? You want to look for the most beautiful one in the midst of it. And you are going to keep the best because you are the older man. That tells you how much of self that is still in your life. Because there is nothing you choose today that is not perishable. That's the problem. We don't understand that everything we are using is perishable. You may choose it now in the next five months that thing is out of date. But you have not demonstrated love. If you truly love, if you truly have the love that God has, 
which is sacrificial. Anytime there's an opportunity for you to make a choice in the midst of people, give them the best. Give them the best. Take the inferior, give them the best. You don't know how much of God you shall have revealed or be manifesting in your life if your appetite can die towards choosing the best in the midst of others. If your appetite can die to that, you don't know how much of God's life that have been revealed in your life. God often tests men with natural things. That is why the young ruler was tested when he said, Oh Lord! The Bible says he fell on his feet. That means he was worshipping him. And said, so God, keep yourself. I've kept all the commandments from my youth. Oh, okay. You go sell all that you have and give to the poor. Self came in. I can't do that. I'm no longer your disciple. If that's the case. Even to enter heaven, I'm not entering. <laughs> because he said, what can I do to, end, to have eternal life? Is that not true? You go sell and give to the poor. No, no, I'm not entering again. Story of change. You can take your heaven. I love my property. Self. Are we together? This is very... You see, anytime I read this thing, I just keep pondering. How much love do I really have? Because it's a new commandment. And the Bible is saying, this is what sums up all other things you need to do in life. Whatever commandment you want to keep, this is the only thing. If you can keep that one, you can keep all other ones. Let's turn to First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. Commandment. The new commandment I give unto you. First John chapter 4. Let's look at verse 16. Then to uh, verse 19. Let me first read from the King James. And we have known and believed this, the love that God has to us. God is love. You know, the issue of love or the subject of love is the most uh, widely spoken, widely sung about, widely written about. I mean, you, can, you can just literally imagine it. Books, music, poems, everything. You see, volumes all about love. But I think the more we talk about it, the less we manifest it. And so the Bible is saying God is love. That is serious. <laughs> that means love will manifest the character of God. You see, when you go to 1 Corinthians 13, you begin to read about love's character. God does not do it. Love doesn't do it. Love it. You can just substitute God. God doesn't. God doesn't. God doesn't. God doesn't. Is that okay? And sometimes we even preach that if we are doing meetings, conferences. Man, it's not about preaching of 1 Corinthians 3, I mean 13. It's a matter of coming to know it, that this thing you are talking about is God himself. Okay, let's go on. So, and we know and have known and believe the love that God has for us, has to us, to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Here is our Lord made perfect, that we may have a boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we. Now, we often use this to prove the fact of our might and power. Now, God is love. 
as he is as love, so are we in this world. It's not about power. It's about his love. Are we there? Because as he is, so are we in this world. For God is love. There is no fear in love. The perfect love is a thing. Cast it out fear. Because fear has torment. He that feared is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And this is very interesting. Okay. Let me take you from the message. And you see what I mean. God is love. My beloved friends, I'm reading from verse 7 now, a little bit off. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. Did you get that? Verse 8. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. First thing about God. So what's the first thing about God? Love. The first thing about God is love, not science and wonders. God manifesting science and wonder is an act of His love. But the first thing you must know about God and who God is is to know that God is what? His love. Because so you can't know Him if you don't love. You can't. You, no, you can't know him if you don't love. So, you can be saying, I know God. God said, well, that's okay. But prove it. It's another way of saying, faith without work is dead. Love without action is no God. Hmm? Love without action is what? No God. Because God is love. So another way of denying the existence of God is not to love your neighbor. Verse 9. This is how God showed his love for us. Now this is where we are. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is how God showed. God is not just a definition of an abstract entity. To, what, to prove who he is, he sent his only begotten son. That's the evidence of his love. Hallelujah. And the sense said, this is the kind of love we are talking about. The kind is defined. This is the kind of love we are talking about. The love we are talking about is a type that God demonstrated. He revealed His love by sending His Son. This is the kind of love we are talking about. It's not the love of honey or sweetie. No, I'm not talking about that. All right. You know, some of those honey sweetie things we do is because of what we want to get from either husband or wives. Do you know that? That's filial love. It's sensual. It's what we want to get. We want our wife to respect us. Maybe we want, uh, you know, this kind of stuff. Huh? 
want them to smile, you want them just doing that. We are bribing them saying we love you. the depth of your heart, do you truly? That's the issue. It has to be from the heart, not from the mouth. Hallelujah. You know, psychologically, where all these things are good, you tell your wife, tell your husband, I love you, I love you, I love you, dear, I love you, sweet, fine. There's nothing wrong. Fine, it's okay. But, God searched the inward parts of man. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear, our, clear away our sins. This is what I was talking about. And the damage they've done to our relationship with God. You must understand why he sent his son to clear the mess. Hallelujah. To me, we have not really started practicing Christianity when it comes to that. Remember the issue of Barabbas and Jesus? How many of you remember this story? It is finished. I mean, the message on it is finished. Barabbas and Jesus. Crucify him. And Barabbas was brought out and was released because a ransom was paid. Remember that? He manifested to clear away the mess we're in so that the relationship we had with God before that was broken I very enacted. So this is the kind of love I'm talking about. Have you really truly come to oh thank you Lord? Have you really come to the place of realizing that as a believer? No, the first thing the Bible says yeah, we're ambassadors. Is that okay? Ambassadors and then the Bible says we've given the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Do you know the priest of God? Maybe one of these I'm going to share fully on that one unto you. You see, this is what it is. The priesthood ministry. The Bible says you're a real priesthood. You know what that really means? It means this. Two of you come. Very quickly. Come, 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 come. Receive strength. Come. Okay. Now you're going to stand there. Alright? You stand here. Good. This is the ministry of reconciliation. These two persons are quarreling. Are you still there with me? Alright. They don't agree. They don't talk to each other. They've had troubles. But I know they don't have Alright <laughs> And then I come in as the priest Is that okay And then I take this one's hand And I take the hands And I join them And then you can smile to each other And then everything you are reconciled Okay that's alright So that is what they call minister of what Reconciliation We are joining two factions together So when the Bible says you are royal priesthood The priesthood is the minister of what Reconciliation Praise the living God. Are you getting what I'm talking about? This is what we are called to do. And it has to do with the love of God. The Bible says man and God were strained from each other. And Jesus came and stood between them and took the hand as it were. It's like he took the hand of God and took the hand of man and brought them together. And said, I appeal to you. Let there be no more quarrels. That's what we're talking about. And you see, the man that he brought to God was such in a mess situation that God would not want to look onto man. It's like your child fell into the toilet, messed up himself. 
Ordinarily, even you as a father, if Carrie is not taking out the mother, you say, go and wash yourself, you stupid boy. But here is a boy that cannot even wash himself. Are you still there? Then somebody stepped out, you are watching the person step down and wash up that child and brought the child to you. And you can smell something different from the perfume the man has sprayed on that child. That's what Jesus did. You fell into that toilet. You messed up yourself. He came, brought you out, cleansed you. God was seemingly washing. And all of a sudden, the man that God didn't want to talk to, as it were, he find the need to talk to that man. And then it was brought to him. They were reconciled. Brush his teeth, comb his head, pour oil on him. Begin to smell fine. That's what Jesus did. Are you prepared to wash the feet of your brother? Are you prepared to clean out the mess of your neighbor? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that will cause to you? You want to go and brush. Am I right? You want to brush your teeth, brush your mouth so that you can talk sweet to people. Hmm? That is how much love you have for yourself. Let somebody ask you to move out of the... I have not taken my bath. Am I right? Why? You don't want to smell stinky and whatever. You don't want people to get out of you. You just want to clean up. That is how much love you have for yourself. My question is, have you thought the same? And that is what God is saying. The same way you feel for yourself, feel the same way for your neighbor. And that is the act of godliness. Hallelujah. Are we there? There is something that was really bothering me all this few months ago. And almost every day, God keeps speaking to me about this same person. Almost every day. And this person has really done some horrible things, if I may use the word. That really touched my spirit. But it's not as of hatred, but I just feel I have to keep a distance. But there is no I don't see this person. I know God keeps ministering to me. You may have an ugly character, but love him. Is that okay? Love him. And this morning, actually, what I'm sharing with you was given to me in the bathroom. The same love you have for yourself, love your neighbor with it. And this same night, the same person appeared to me. I know I can't run away from it. This is pastoral message. It's practical. It's not a revelation for tomorrow. I'm not talking of the ages to come. It's a now thing. What is the offense? Think about it. How much have your neighbor really offended you? And how much offense do you think you committed towards God? And yet, he sent Jesus. As I've loved you, love you one another. Okay, let's see if we can finish up. Verse 11. My dear dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. Certainly, not we should just try. When something is, when something is certain, then it becomes absolute. And verse 12 says, First John, remember? Chapter 5, I'm reading verse 12. No one has seen God ever. But if we love one another, 
God dwells deeply within us. This is now your checklist. And his love becomes complete in us, perfect. If we love one another, God dwells deeply within us. Not in a shallow form. Verse 13, 1 John, I'm still reading. This is how we know we are living steadily and deeply in him. And he in us. He's giving us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Verse 14. Also, we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Verse 15. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continually in an intimate relationship with God. We know it is well. We've embraced it heart and soul. This love that comes from God. Amen. Now he continues and said, So God is love, remember. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. I want you to look at verse 16. When we take up permanent residence in love, we live in God and God lives in us. Now, if you go to Acts, you're going to find the same thing. The Bible says, In Him we live and move and have our being. In who? In God. Remove God. What's the next thing you put? In love. We live and move and have our being. Meaning, our existence is centered on what? Love. Are you there? Verse 17. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we are free of worry and judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. Verse 18. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is not yet fully formed in love. Hallelujah. I want you to look at this. Now watch this. If you live under anxiety with your neighbor or with your wife or husband, it simply shows you don't have love for each other. Let me explain what I mean. It is possible for you to be in the same home with a husband or wife where you don't trust one another. Is that true? So that's the first place to indicate that there is nothing of what? Love. If your fear is when your wife or your husband knows how much you have and then it's going to make demand on you, there is no love. The Bible says, where there is love, there is no fear. Because fear causes you to hide from your neighbor. The first thing that happened to Adam was to hide because he was what? Afraid. Love does not permit fear between two people. When you unnecessarily get worried about your spouse or your child or whatever, it simply shows you don't have love. This is very practical. Fear 
have no love in it. Because, I mean, love has no fear in it. Because if it's crippling, you know what it means? It torments you. It, it, it. It's kind of squeeze you into a mold and kind of lock you up. There is no freedom in fear. Even you can't express yourself when fear is working. You can't even express yourself. You can't talk how to talk. How many of you have seen couples once in a while and uh, what are you saying? Well, no problem, no problem. No. What did you say? No, no. I forget. You didn't hear what I said. Okay, fine. Leave it. Now. There is fear somewhere. There is doubt somewhere. There is unbelief somewhere. You are just afraid of the next reaction. No law. Okay. Let's try to round up. So what does your loving and saving one another do for you? Go to Galatians 4. Let's round up from this. I'm reading from verse 13. Galatians 4 from the message. Okay. Even if you take it from the... Let me read from verse 13. Message. It is absolutely clear. Are we there together? Galatians 5, 13. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want. To do and destroy your freedom. Are you there? Rather, use your freedom to serve one another. In what? In love. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. That is how freedom grows. That's what I'm looking for. So even the grace to live the Christian life grows when you serve one another. Jesus spoke. Paul is here speaking. Same thing. That is how your freedom grows. No more fear. No more intimidation. No more anxiety. Your freedom as a believer grows when you serve one another in what? In love. Verse 14. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you do what? As you love yourself. That is an act of true freedom. That's what I'm looking for. The act of true freedom. If you say you are free, the only way you can express your freedom is to love one another. Verse 15 says, If you bite and ravage each other, watch out, in no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be? By implication, look at this. When fear, doubt, and unbelief comes in, there is something that emanates from you towards the one that you are seemingly going to be afraid of or something like that. But the point is this, when you don't have your freedom as expressing love, you end up annihilating or destroying one another. This is where the issue of gossiping comes in. Are you getting that? Once your love for your spouse, your brother, your sister is gone, the next thing you're going to find a third party to talk to you about your brother unto. Are you getting that? Now you can have somebody to gossip about. Hey, no, I'm just managing. Oh, no, no. It's only God that's keeping me. Oh, no. Are you getting what I'm talking about? 
you are just annihilating. You are just destroying that individual. And your first thing is this. As you're doing that, your own freedom is being destroyed. Because the only way you can express your true freedom in Christ is through love. Hallelujah. So you destroy yourself when love is missing. Because you end up speaking about your neighbor instead of blessing your neighbor. Remember I asked you a question in the beginning when we started. When you need them to pray. But the Bible says love your neighbor as you love yourself. When you need them to pray. How many minutes do you spend praying for your neighbor as compared to how many minutes do you spend praying for yourself? Think about it. And the whole day you may be probably meditating about your life and your future. Have we at any time thought about what would be the future of our neighbor? You may think about the future of your child because it's still yourself. But what about the future of your brother in the fellowship? How will this person end their life? Have you thought about that? Has something struck you once in a while and say, Oh God, I wish I had some money. I would have fixed this person. Have you come to such a thinking once in a while in your life? Let's assume yes because you don't have the money. But has the thought ever crossed your mind? Let it be that when the money comes, temptation will come. But has the thought crossed your mind? Now that you don't have the money now, have that thought crossed your mind? God, I wish you bless me so that I can fix this brother who is suffering. Have that thought come to your mind? But I remember, you see, you know, how, you know how we think? We should have some money, just build my house. We should have some money, just buy a new car. We should have some money. Just think about Take the analysis of how you think. I need to change my car. <laughs> eh? I need to change my house. I need to change my clothes. I need to change, change, change. You don't think about your neighbor. The Bible say all of those things we're talking about, everything about trying to worship God is summed up in one thing. Love your neighbor as you do what? As you love yourself. Okay. Fear destroys us. It makes it difficult for us to trust our spouse, our neighbor. Fear eliminates the fact that your neighbor wants to destroy you. If you have true love. Okay? You will not be thinking. And that is why it's funny for some people who go to church and could still believe that their neighbor could destroy them. Carrying that mindset alone shows you don't even understand scriptures. That's all for those who pray about the issue of demons. They can go to fellowship and they can't even eat house. How many of you understand what I'm saying? The same local example. For the visit, another person says, hey man, we're on the table. Okay, thank you. I just ate some food now. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm talking about? And then you have, you have the gods as a believer to tell your child when you go to that person's house, don't even give you water, don't drink. You give you granite, don't eat. If you give, in fact, you want biscuits? That is when you want to remember to buy biscuit because the child wants to go to your neighbor's house. You want biscuit? When you go there, don't, you say, we have not necessarily living. Sometimes we say, well, you don't want the children to be stealing. I'm not stealing, man. You are just trying to curtail them from being destroyed. To you, the other person is not clean. You know what I'm talking about. We know. We are all adults here. We know. <laughs> But in the household of faith, it ought not to be so. The Bible said he shared all things in common. He ate all things in common. Are you getting what I'm talking about? That spirit must get out of your life. 
<laughs> I remember one funny thing my wife was telling me, you know, Carrie's came, went to the room and um, was searching. I said, What are you looking for? So I'm looking for moths. Pulling out the cupboard because he knows where the moths are kept. Because he belongs there. You see, no fear. I went to the cupboard, or pulling out the what are you looking for? I said, I need some moths. They used to be here. Freedom. That's why the Bible says, for you to enter into the kingdom, must be like a child. Come on, let me close here. God bless you. Thank you.